Hello again, and welcome to the New York 20. I'm Tom. And I'm John. Welcome back, guys. We can go ahead and file this under the uh, better late than never category. Yeah. I think as we're finally back, uh, you know, Tom spent a couple weeks over in uh, Ireland, and I had the flu and some comedy gigs and stuff. We couldn't really link up, but about three and a half weeks later, we're here. A lot of stuff has happened, so we have a lot of things we want to get to, uh, baseball, football, all that stuff, but I know... Tom has a, a burning issue that he just wants to get to, and we're going to we'll jump right into it. So, yeah, Tom, I mean, what's on your mind? I mean, I think, obviously, the number one thing that we need to start with is, you know, the whole time that I'm gone, I get to sit here and I watch the All-Iron Football final, you know, semifinal now that we're going into. Uh, Mayo and Toronto are playing on Sunday. It's, you know, Mayo went to the final last year. They lost to Donegal. They now knocked out Donegal this year. It was a heartbreaking match, but Mayo just dominated. So, uh, they're going to see how they match up with Tyrone. Obviously, they're going to kind of be the underdogs going into, you know, whoever wins this going to the final next month. But uh, what, what's your take on this? Uh, I, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I joke and I had, a lot, I had a great time over there. But I think the biggest thing, obviously, has been <laughs> baseball, right? Steroids and, and PEDs and all that. And uh, I spent some time trying to kick my Irish accent. That's why I wanted to, to, you know, just get a little bit of Irish out and start this. But Well, this um, is like your version of jet lag for yeah. the sake of this podcast. You know, yeah. it was like, okay, let's talk sports. Wait a minute. Because this is all I heard sports? about. I can right. talk about this or I can talk about <laughs> soccer. You know, I'll talk about Glasgow Celtic and how they have to come back to the Champions League. This, that, that, you're not going to know what I'm talking about there either. So no clue. <laughs> let's, just, let's just pretend there's a nice little cultural thing and move on to right. the drama and saga of biogenesis and baseball yeah. and steroids and what what the hell did I miss in the well, time that listen, I Listen, I, I know that we're all a little tardy to the party for this one because a lot of stuff is unfolded in the time that we haven't been here. But, you know, basically, I know you guys are probably sick of hearing about the PEDs. We're sick of talking about them. But uh, to catch Tom up on some of the things that he wasn't here for, the, the, the nitty-gritty of it, you know, we've got, what, 15, 20 guys finally suspended. Right. Uh, a lot of them, eh, not really that important kind of guys. Jordani Valdespin, couple farmhands with the loss. Mets. Oh yeah, yeah. his one ninety eight batting average. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, have Braun, which was a big one. Uh, Nelson Cruz was in a playoff race over there with Texas. Plus, he's a, a pending free agent. But let's let's uh, let's kick it off with Braun and talk about you know the fact that he was somewhat vindicated last year. Um, did everything to get out of this. The the arbiter obviously ruled in his favor last year with the failed test and all that nonsense. Yeah. And here we are, not a year later, he looks like a damn fool. <laughs> I, like, it's, it's really unbelievable, unbelievable to see in this day and age of like instant criticism and social media and just how small the world of media is nowadays. To be as bold as to think that you're going to get away with something like that. To be so brazen, to call somebody out, to use like discriminatory language towards a guy who's just a, a freaking like I pick stuff up and I put things down in another place. That's my job. I'm right. a courier. Yeah. To just drag his name through the mud. Yeah. To try and get away with taking like performance enhancing drugs, like just, just cop to it. Yeah. Like you did it, and eventually, now that he's caught, he did. I would have so much respect for one player to walk out and say, "Look, you guys didn't catch me, but I was taking this here. I shouldn't have been doing it." Right. <laughs> That's it. Where's that one guy? Where's that like white knight that should, that, yeah. that walks up? It's like, hey, this is what's going on. I did this. This is wrong. To set the right example for everybody. Right. No, that that's a fair point. You know what? And it speaks volumes to the uh, the courier, as you put it. You know, to his character because it seems like he doesn't even want to sue. Yeah. I mean, I know like libel and slander are very difficult to prove, and it's all punitive damage damages. And you have to you prove know, that you were harmed in right. some way. But I'll tell you what, he probably was. Right. His character was dragged yeah. in the mud. But you know what? He, he doesn't even want to pursue that. You yeah. know, by all accounts. So you know, good for him. He just kind of wants it to go away. He wants to go back to being the guy. That that no one ever heard of before Ryan Braun, yeah. you know, went ahead and, and made just him a guy. Yeah. And made him somebody. Yeah, yeah, made him famous. So, uh, listen, Ryan Braun, he, he issued some kind of, like, email apology yesterday yeah, that did, came yeah. out. And uh, I'll be quite honest with you, I guess you can call it not doing my homework. I didn't read it because I don't care. I really I don't. don't. Yeah. I write, I mean... <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry guys, took steroids, I'm deeply embarrassed, and it was this, for the short, I saw the quote, the short period of time I took before... 
Nobody cares. Doesn't Nobody matter. cares because they don't know short period of time. You did it, you got caught, you lied about it, and got away with it, and then got caught again. Like, no, you're you're done. Yeah. All right, that's the end of it. Yeah, and, and you know what? I've been hearing a lot, you know, on TV and the radio about how he's 29 years old, he's got like seven years left on his deal, yeah. so he's going to have a chance to rewrite the story, like the ending to his story. Yeah. And, and, and by all accounts, he probably will. And, you know, he can probably put this behind him a bit, you know, in the next five years, whatever it is. But now he looks like a, a horse's arse. You know, yeah. he looks bad. Oh, he does. Yeah. <laughs> I figured I'd bring that back. <laughs> no, but he does. He looks, he looks bad. You know, and, and he deserves to look bad. And I think that, you know, he took the 65-game suspension, which was the rest of the season for him. Right. Obviously, the Brewers aren't going anywhere. Yeah. And I think he owes it to everyone in the world to do one of two things shut up and go away until spring training or come out and do a presser and a real like apology question and answer and be a man about it yeah you know the email apology is nothing you know so he had his pr guys draft something up that he could send to baseball and espn and we could all talk about it yeah nobody cares about that if you want to own up and you want to apologize, then sit down in front of a room full of reporters and own up and give them as much time as they want and let them ask you anything they want and, and talk about it like a man. Or, like I said, disappear until spring training and hope for the best. Yeah. I tell you what, you look at the history of this, and Braun's going to be in a very interesting situation. So you had the first wave of guys get caught with steroids, and they were the Palmeros and the Clemens and the Bonds, and guys at the end of their very success, successful baseball careers. Right. Now you have a, a large like group of guys who are either older or nondescript. So the Jordani Valdespines and you know Francisco Cervellas, nobody really cares. Melky Cabrera was kind of high profile, but right. the guy with the blueprint for like what, what could happen to you is A-Rod. A-Rod got caught relatively early in his career with a lot of time and money left on his deal mm -hmm. and had to sort of deal with those consequences, and it has been really, really difficult for him. Now, A-Rod yeah. has his own baggage beyond that. Right. He's got all these other things, and he's an egomaniac, whatever other things you want to say about him, but he had to deal with a lot of crap from the people that were coming after him, mm -hmm. and he did exactly what you were saying Braun should do. He went in front of the media after the uh, Sports uh, Illustrated article came out and answered every single question about what he did. He's like, I took these steroids, I got them from this mule, he brought them up, this guy was my cousin, I took this, this, and this for these years. Right. And was very, very direct and clear. And the only guy that I really remembered not copping out, you know, yeah. not saying, oh, Andy yeah. Pettit also. Yeah. And Andy Pettit, you know, I, I kind of take what he said, I think that makes some sense. But every other guy is like, ah, no, you know, I took it this one time, I didn't know, I didn't realize right. it was this thing. You know, it's like, come on, right. we're and, not that dumb. And obviously A-Rod has sullied some of that goodwill since, exactly. and some yeah. of the other things that have come out, and we'll get to that in a second. But, you know, I, I do agree with you that there is something to be said about, like, just sitting down and, and copping to it. And like, okay, let's talk. Yeah. It's out on the table, let's have it all be out on the table, and let's move past it. And uh, we talked at length about it last night, uh, about the fact that, the problem really goes deeper than these couple guys. It goes to baseball and yeah. their handling of this. Because, yeah, okay, they have a great policy now, and, you know, we're both huge baseball fans, obviously, mm -hmm. and we grew up rooting in the steroid era, and we'd like to see the game be clean for the sake of, like, uh, integrity or whatever. Yeah. Like, sure, like, if you want it to be clean, let's have it be clean. But, you know what? Baseball is always five, ten years off the pace of these things. You know, we touched on it with uh, the, the instant replay thing that we were yeah. talking about, How, uh, and we'll get to that also. But, you know, we touched on it, how the NFL's been doing it for 13 years. Baseball's still trying to work the kinks out. Yeah, so hockey's now, been doing it forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> forever. They've had goal replays. It's like the early 90s. Exactly. Like, it's, it's like you had the technology. Why not get it involved? Yeah. And, you know, as far as now they have a very comprehensive test, and if they want to make it stricter, let it be stricter. Fine. You want to have it, like lifetime bans, first-time offense, going forward. Do whatever you want. Whatever yeah. you can get approved, do it. But I mentioned it to you, and I, I stand by the fact that baseball's problem is they're so concerned about their history and not enough concerned about their future. Yeah. Because everything is record books, tarnishing this, who's the real home run king, who's the real this, who's the real that. If they would simply allow the steroid era to be and close the book on it, and worry about how can we fix it going forward, you would have a lot of this behind you. Instead, they go ahead and they, they launch this witch hunt on A-Rod, which is what it's become, mm -hmm. and it, they make themselves look stupid in the process. 
this this whole discussion is also I'm gonna have to say is largely driven by the media. The conversation of who's the real home run king. Bud Sealing's not holding a press conference saying, "By the way, you know Barry Bonds isn't the home run king anymore." Right. Like this is the media bringing this up and turning this into a national debate. That's making things worse as well. That's true. And I, I agree. I think we have to get to that point. And there are voices probably closer to our age, closer you know the ones who are sort of driving the sabermetric you know uh, revolution. You know, mm-hmm. have, if you you know you want to look at it that way, that are looking more like, look, everybody, forget it. This is the era. Everybody was on something in some way. The 80s, everybody was on phetamines. Like, and if they weren't on amphetamines, they were taking coke. Yeah. Uh, be honest, let's call it spades, but it's the same thing. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> look, it's a broad generalization. I'm sure there are 100 guys that weren't, and great for them. I'm very happy for them. They're right. great examples for the children. Right. The point is, the game itself, the numbers, the statistics that you're going and marrying yourself to and saying, oh, back in the good old days, like, Willie Mays has, like, been associated with amphetamine use. Right. That's something that's now banned. Back in the 90s, they've since been banned. But there were things that you were allowed to take back then. The game has to move forward. It's just part of the history. Guys who were in there who took whatever, if you were a great player, you were a great player. If you had 700 home runs instead of 500 home runs, you're still a Hall of Famer. You're still one of the greatest players of all time. Don't whitewash them from the record books. You have to acknowledge that this history happened. To me, it's it's almost ridiculous. Is on the flip side. Take something positive, like Ted Williams, who missed all those years of... His the prime years of his baseball War. career, going and, and and you know fighting in wars for the yeah. country. Okay, now that's something that will hopefully never happen again. Like we're not going to see stuff like that happen because there's no you know mandatory draft and there's no stuff like that that's yeah. going on. Um, but and especially you're not going to see it with high profile celebrities and and right. role players and things like that going and fighting in wars. You're not going to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. So now. He was still one of the greatest, if not arguably the greatest hitter ever. Mm-hmm. So now, what are we going to say? Like, he missed those years, so are we just going to, like, attribute, like, certain numbers of hits that he should have gotten in the time that he yeah. was playing? Like, no! Obviously, that sounds ridiculous. Yeah. So how are you going to take away on a negative side, you know, okay, well, you know, well, how many home runs would Barry Bonds have hit in 2000 if he wasn't on steroids? You can't start matter. doing those that math because whether positive or negative, it's impossible and it's quite it's ridiculous. And look for for every Barry Bonds and for every Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa who go and have their careers explode at a late age and you know they they have something crazy going on. There's a Jordani Valdespin and the hundred minor league players you've never ever heard of get suspended for these things. And it doesn't impact their performance in any way. Guys batting one ninety eight taking these performance enhancing drugs. What exactly are they doing? you still need to have the right fundamentals and the right skill set to go and play at this league. Right. And there are a lot of people who have the perception, like, I'm a big fat guy on a couch, but if I just took that same Balco stuff Bonds was on, I could hit 700 home runs too. Like, no, you can't. Right. All right, this guy's a superstar. He's incredibly talented. He's going to an extra level, which he shouldn't be doing, but he's still a superstar and really talented. And if, if you're going to do that, then... I don't see how you can go and reconcile later on when you're going to have, like, 15 years where nobody gets into the Hall of Fame. Because everybody who played in that era is going to be tarnished. Like, Craig Biggio should be in the Hall of Fame right now, and he's not. For no reason. Mike Piazza Mike should Piazza be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. And, again, I'm in the camp that says that I think Mark McGuire should be in. I think these guys that are this iconic should right. be there because they are part of the game's legacy. They're part of what revived baseball in the first place. Right or wrong, that was yeah. a huge part of baseball's history. And everybody turned a blind eye to it. And now they want to flip their stance on it. Yeah. You know, listen, the owners were like, hey, we're bringing the game back. You know, like, obviously it was great for the players because there was a huge boom with the home run chase and and guys putting up monster numbers, and the trickle-down effect was great for all the players. Because if you got a McGuire hitting 60-something home runs, making, you know, $25 million more than he would have made, well, then a guy... Uh, under him that's kind of middling is going to make more money because the salaries go up across the board. Yeah. But the revenue went up across the board for yeah. the owners. And all the owners, and Bud Selig was an owner before he was the commissioner, yeah. and then became the commissioner and spoke for the owners, they all just turned a blind eye to it. Yeah. So you can't turn a blind eye and then decide under the same regime of people that like, hey, now we're going to fix this. Yeah. It's crazy to me. And it goes back to what I said before about worrying so much about the history. And I mentioned to you yesterday about the parallel and the double standard that it has to do with Pete Rose. Now, by everybody's account, Pete Rose, if he would have fessed up, closed the book, and done what he had to do as far as baseball was concerned, 
about what he did in gambling on baseball would probably be in the Hall of Fame. They would have banned him for a handful of years. They probably would have reinstated him. They would have let him be in the Hall of Fame. But he was adamant. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. This is not, and this is not. And he would come out and do all this stuff, and he would just aggravate them to the point of like, hey, just fess up, and we can put it behind us, and we can all move on. And baseball now, it, like, and obviously Pete Rose is still not, you know, yeah. he's still banned, and yeah. he's still on the outside looking in, but baseball's doing the same things to themselves now. Just admit what you did, admit that you did it because it was for the betterment of the game at the time, yep. admit that it was the wrong thing to do, close the book on it, and move forward. That's it. And, and, that's it. And, and as you were saying, you can go and make stricter penalties if you want. You can go and have lifetime bans for guys who are caught using these things, knowingly using these things, knowingly breaking the rules. That's fine. You do have to have like a written agreement, though. Otherwise, it's pointless to have an agreement in the first place. And that, right. that, this kind of takes it back, it back to the current stuff with A-Rod. Right. right. They go and coerce every player to accept their 50-game suspension under the threat of being A-Rodded, where they're going to go and threaten you with a 211-game suspension mm -hmm. or an obstruction of justice or whatever kind of thing they want to make up. And that's not what this agreement was. It was you get 50 games, you get a chance to appeal, and you know if you can prove you're innocent, then you won't get suspended. If you can't prove you're innocent, then you get those 50 games. You know, uh, I don't want to go like uh, too South Parky, but this is America. You get the, your right to the day in court, and you can yeah. go and, and you know have your case heard. Absolutely. Baseball took that right away from the players, and they're trying to turn A-Rod into an example of, well, don't fight baseball, we're going to go and suspend you for the rest of your life. If you go in and try to like disagree with us, right. and it's the wrong way to do it, you have the best policy in all of the sports in in, in the United States, right. and you're not just enforcing it. Just do what you're saying you're going to do, and it's going to be well respected, and it's going to weed this out of the game. You're going and trying to go too far and turning A Rod into a sympathetic figure, which is ridiculous. Yeah, the guy has is every kind of problem in the book, <laughs> and you're getting people on his side because you're going nuts. You have Ryan Dempster going after him, and yeah. like. This shouldn't be happening. He shouldn't right. be on the field right no, now. No, and neither one of us are apologists for A-Rod. Obviously, you're a Yankee fan, and he's on your team, and you're going to root for him to be successful so that your team is successful. And that cognitive dissonance, I am totally okay with. I, I, let, listen, let's continue. I, I have no problem with that, yeah. because if, they, if the shoe was on the other foot, I'd feel the same way. I'd yeah. want him to be there and to make my team better. Yeah. So... But, you know, neither one of us are, like, uh, wearing A-Rod jerseys and, 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 you know, flying flags for him. But they, they have. They've turned him into a sympathetic figure by creating this weird, I called it a witch hunt before, and I think that's really it's, what yeah. it is. They're trying to make an example out of him, and they're doing it under uh, false pretenses. It's, yeah. uh, you know, they're reaching at straws, trying to find loopholes and little language in the suspension rules yeah. to tweak it. And they're like, well... You know, taking the, the steroids is one offense, but acquiring the steroids was another offense, and trying to acquire them in the first place is a third offense, because if you do any one of those isolated, it, it, it doesn't make sense. The one that got me that, that they were saying was that he, he used them and tried to cover it up, and the trying to cover it up was a second offense. Show me any guy that's not trying to cover it up after they take steroids. Right, because they're going to get suspended. They're all covering it up. That's they're not, not a like, thing. Hey, I took steroids. <laughs> you only get 50 games. Yeah. This guy, he, <laughs> he tried to hide it. He gets 100. It's, it's Good ridiculous. for you. That's not the... Like, no, it's, it's, totally, it's, it's that's totally ridiculous. So, just give this, so now it turns into this, right? And you know, this is what I've caught up on, is that he gets to appeal. The appeal won't be heard and decided upon until after the season, as far as I, everybody's saying at this point. Right. So he gets to play, and now it turns into target practice. He's a pariah. He gets deals with the media everywhere. Um, his legal team is going after the Yankee legal team, which is one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen in my life. That's really bad. Very un-Yankee-like. Yeah, like, yeah, and Randy Levine has really been a joke, and you know we can talk about that in a minute, but uh, it's a circus. It's yeah. really like Bronx Zoo-ish you know, for the first time since the, since the Billy Martin days. Yeah, no, it, it, is, it is that, and uh, it's... It's just crazy. You touched a little bit on the on the Dempster thing, and I want to get into that. Yeah. Um, you know, you want to talk about the unwritten rules of baseball and the code of conduct and about beaming guys and the old-school mentality, and uh, fine. I mean, whatever. That's all well and good. I, I think it's a little stupid. If a guy hits a home run in a big spot and he's like, wants to admire it a little bit, like, eh, let him do it. It's yeah. a game. Yeah. Uh, can we, you know, it's a game. But if that's how you want to go ahead and, and police the sport and keep guys in check, yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll concede the point. Okay, the way you just ironed it out, that A-Rod was suspended, 
is appealing, during the appeal process, he can play, and one way or another, this is going to work it out. It's yep. gonna. It's he's either gonna be suspended for 211 or less, or he's gonna beat it, and not be suspended at all. And one way or another, we're gonna find out. And that is baseball's justice system. And that would be hilarious if he beats it. By it, the way, it would be the funniest <laughs> thing ever. It's like, turns out, by the way, he never took steroids. It's, it was all. It was all a joke. Some other guy named Alex Rodriguez. That's his signature. It's a common name. I don't know any of this stuff. So yeah. Anyway, no, but you know that's baseball's justice. Yeah. justice system, and it's gonna. Should be allowed to play out, and it will. Yeah. What Ryan Dempster did is baseball's version of vigilante justice. Right. Taking it into his own hands. To, and it's kind of selfish because it's in spite of his own team. It's in spite of what's good for his team. People are getting suspended now as a result. I mean, he's pitching poorly anyway, so who cares yeah. if he gets suspended? But like, you know, it's just it's taking it to a level where it doesn't have to be. Like, you're going out there, and if you're going to hit a guy, for the love of God, hit him the first time. Hit him the time. first time? If you miss him, that's it. Yeah. Well, maybe the second time, hit him. Not the fourth time. Yeah. Like, don't, like, it's come, it becomes a joke. And what really bothered me about it is if you're going to stand on your laurels of, I never took steroids, I'm A-Rod's peer, yeah. I want steroids out of the game for the next generation, then after the game, when they talk to you, Say, I hit A-Rod on purpose because yeah. I don't like the fact that he took steroids. And take your suspension like a man. Yep. Don't say, I was just trying to establish the inside corner after you threw behind his legs on the first pitch. Yep. And if Ryan Dempster doesn't have control, Ryan Dempster can't pitch in the major leagues because he's not blowing it by you. So to think that he can miss that badly trying to establish the inside corner is ludicrous. Yeah. Girardi said it. He hit six guys in the last 320 innings and then threw two pitches at A-Rod and two inside. Yeah. It's a joke. Obviously, he hit them on purpose. My favorite take on this whole thing was from David Ortiz. And there are a lot of people like, oh, David Ortiz, he took steroids too, and now he's defending A-Rod. His, his criticism of Ryan Dempster that, that came out yesterday was, I don't know why he did that. He woke up the Yankees. He went and A-Rod scored that inning. A-Rod then hit a home run. They beat us, and we have Tampa right on our heels right now. Right. I don't know why you'd wake up that and Yankee monster. I don't think monster. the Yankees have lost a game since, basically. No, no. So. He, went, he went and rallied the Yankees around the one guy who could have torn them apart. It's like a perfect movie for me. I love this. This is fantastic. Yeah, as a Yankee fan, you'd have to be happy about it. And you know what? That's not David Ortiz defending no, that's the Yankees. That's, that's David or Ortiz. Or or anything. No, that's David Ortiz looking at it from a purely baseball perspective, yeah. which I wish that we could all get back to just watching and looking at what goes into baseball games. Yeah. Dempster went, and that turned into a run, that inning, because A-Rod scored after right. getting hit. He then hit a home run after that, and Gardner, who was the first guy out of the dugout screaming at Dempster after he got hit, hit a, a three-run triple to put the Yankees ahead for good in that game. Yeah. He, he went, and it was totally selfish. I think it's exactly what you said. That That's the, the biggest, like, baseball side of this. That's a mistake on his part. Yeah. And uh, Major League Baseball gives him a five-game suspension, which for a pitcher means nothing, especially because right. they have an off day, so they don't even have to skip somebody in the rotation. It just works out for them. Yeah. And got a $2,500 fine. I pay more on that in speeding tickets than he had to pay. <laughs> and I don't make as much as he does. And Girardi got five grand for coming out to the, into the field and arguing with the umpire, which yeah. is ridiculous. And yelling at Dempster. Yeah. 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 And Girardi got thrown out of the game for doing that. Yeah. And Dempster and didn't Dempster get thrown did, out of the game. Dempster uh, could have ended somebody's life, and uh, Girardi got thrown out of the game for yelling about it. Well, not, not with his fastball. Yeah, fair. But, no, it's turned into a complete and utter ridiculous circus it really yeah. has on the anniversary of Tony Canigliaro having his face hit with a ball and ruining his career uh, Red Sox player from uh, back in the day who yeah. was super promising yeah yeah horrifying injury exact anniversary of him getting hit in the face at Fenway and every Red Sox fan is up there cheering A-Rod getting hit. It's it, it. That's where you draw the line between baseball and life. And somebody said, there. I have more of a problem with hitting somebody with a baseball on purpose than I do with somebody taking steroids trying to get an advantage. Yeah. You could, you're causing harm to a person. Especially if you hit him up around the head, which, yeah. I mean, it wasn't up around his head, but when well, he, he went on his knees first, and well, then right. he went on his head. And that's then when he, <laughs> hit, when he did hit you know, A-Rod, it was around his shoulder. So, I mean, yeah. it was getting close. Uh, I, the other thing I want to say before we move on is just the ridiculous double standard that baseball and certain baseball players who are anti-steroids are, are doing. You know, Johnny Damon came out and basically said, 
oh, well, if A-Rod was on steroids, uh, the, the 2009 World Series that we won together with the Yankees is tainted. What about the 2004 World Series that he won with the Red Sox, with Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz and probably a couple other guys, but two that we know, yep. that carried the damn team? Yeah. What about that? It's a great That's question. not tainted? No. And, no. and bad job by whoever was interviewing him or asked the question because that's the follow-up question. Yep. You know, maybe very, Damon very forgot about it. Maybe Damon's stupid and doesn't remember. Maybe whatever. But you got to pressure him. you got to ask him about that because if one's tainted, which neither one of them are tainted, what are you going to do? Start taking away, what is it, the NCAA? We're just yeah, going to like, oh, no, wins. vacate wins and they didn't win anything and the title is stripped. That's ridiculous. You're going to vacate 25 years of baseball if you're going to do that. Yeah. That, that's the only exactly. answer because every team and every league had at least one guy who was doing something. Yeah, and probably more. Yeah. So that's the first thing that's ridiculous. The other thing that I didn't even think about, I can't take credit for it. I heard it, some caller on some radio show when I was driving home from work mentioned yeah. it. And this is spot on about ML, the MLB and how they've screwed this up. Now, A-Rod failed a test that was supposed to be anonymous, mm -hmm. that was supposed to be... You know, no penalties attached to it. That's his failed test. Yeah. Okay? And he had an answer to it because it leaked, and he had all this stuff, and right. he had to deal with that whole thing. Right. Okay? Since then, he hasn't failed a drug <laughs> test. Okay? And they're trying to suspend him for 211 games, or there was talk about lifetime bans and all that stuff. Manny Ramirez, who failed a drug test after the testing was in place, mm -hmm. got a 50-game suspension. Then he came back, and he failed another drug test, yep. which was a 100-game suspension, and Manny was about 37, 38 years old. Mm -hmm. So he said, you know what? I'm going to retire mm -hmm. instead of taking this suspension. And he did. Then he played in Japan, I think, for a bit. Right. He was doing some other stuff, trying to like remake his career, whatever. But recently, this year... He signed a minor league deal with the Texas Rangers, and mm -hmm. whatever, they're free to sign whomever they want, and mm -hmm. he went to their AAA affiliate or whatever, started playing ball, and baseball basically said, if Manny Ramirez gets the opportunity to be called up to the major leagues, since it's been over a hundred games of lapsed time since mm -hmm. he was suspended, we'll consider it time served. So Manny Ramirez, and they released him. He didn't. There was yeah, no spot for him. Never made it, right? But he could have theoretically made, like, got called up and then just played baseball again. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's insane. That is so ridiculous to me. If you want to say that a guy, it's a little crazy that a guy can serve suspension for PEDs while on the DL. Yeah, that's a little dicey, but. You can't really fault the guy for being hurt. Right. That's not and fair. Games to, are games. Yeah. Games are games. You're missing them. I know people have a problem with that, but that kind of is what it is. And you're missing checks. And you're still yeah. yeah. And you're missing that's, the that's checks. The exactly. Thing, so yeah. you're not getting paid. But to retire, forfeit whatever money you were gonna make, yeah. leave the game, and then come back and be like, oh, I want to play, and they're like, ah, oh, well, it's been a hundred games, so fine. Yeah. That's crazy. You yeah. cannot have that. And you cannot certainly have that in the same season where you're trying to ban A-Rod for life yeah. without ever failing a drug test since there was drug tests it's incredible. in place that lead to suspensions. Yeah, and it's silly being on this high horse, and it, it it's it's a shame. You know, it shouldn't have to be like this. Suspended for the 50 games. If he wants to appeal, he's going to look like an idiot because he's going to get turned down because there's obviously evidence against him. And that's it. You move on. And we move on. Now, to actual baseball. Yeah. Right? The Yankees are also playing, and... We'll leave all the steroid stuff aside. A-Rod is back, and he's playing third base for the Yankees, and he's been the best third baseman they've had all season. I think he's compiled more hits and home runs and RBIs than every third baseman for the past five months on the Yankees. Which and is a laughable statistic, by the way. I think I remember seeing the stat the other day that was like, the Yankees' third baseman were on pace to have the worst offensive season ever for a single position for any team at all. Like, <laughs> it's unreal. It was really, really historically bad. So, you add him to the lineup... You bring in Alfonso Soriano, who had one of the hottest weeks I think you'd ever see with 18 RBIs in four days. I got to go to one of those games. It was great. Um, you had Granderson back, and now you have a team that looks a little bit like a professional lineup. They're not yeah. running quadruple-A players out there anymore. Absolutely. And the results are there. They won, you know, 10 out of 12. They're right back in the race, and, you know, I'm in. You know, they got games against the teams ahead of them. Baltimore, Tampa, Boston, a uh, bunch of games left against them. They have some cream puffs on their schedule in uh, uh, Houston and Chicago, uh, and uh, out west, 
No, Houston, Chicago, and uh, Toronto. Toronto. The, the, three, yeah, yeah, the three last place teams in the American yeah. League they still have on their schedule. Mm -hmm. So they're they're right in this, and they control their own destiny. And two weeks ago, when they were 11 and a half games out, you couldn't say that. So right. there's something to watch. It's, it's good to have a pennant chase, some exciting uh, you know, September baseball coming up. And, and Jeter will be back, I think, tomorrow, yeah, unless there's some weekend, kind of setback. So. Be back. so there's a lot of good things going on there. Absolutely. And they're, they're definitely right in the thick of a playoff push. I mean, you know, they have teams that they have to catch up to. But right. like you alluded to, a lot of them are, you know, they have games remaining with them. Mm -hmm. And that's important. Um, and when you look at it, the Yankees have, now that they've gotten some of these guys back, not only better ball players in their lineup, but guys who have been there before, guys that you yes. trust that know this kind of grind. Yeah. So you tend to trust the Yankees more than you trust the Kansas City Royals, who are having a nice little end to their season. The Cleveland Indians, who are putting together a nice little run at the end of the season. You know, the only teams that you really look out for are, you know, the teams in the Yankees division that are battling with them, that yep. have kind of all been there in the last handful of years, and probably the A's out west that are scrappy. You know, other than that, when you look at it, there are going to be at least two teams from the AL East mm -hmm. that make the playoffs yeah. one way or another. Yeah. I mean, that's it. So, you, if you're the Yankees, you're in a position where you're either going to win the division or reach for one of those wild card spots. Yeah. And if you're dealing with three of the teams that are ahead of you that are in your own division, that's that's a nice spot to be in because you got it you're you're only really bumping heads with one of them there. Yeah. Because if you're going to concede that two of you are going to make the playoffs, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you you have you have more than one path to the playoffs. I think exactly. Way. That's that's, you know, that's, that's yeah, I don't know if I was articulating it correctly, yeah. but yeah, that's really what it comes down to, honestly. So you have all these teams to leapfrog, but there are more. There's more than one way to get there. You don't have to yeah. bank on five teams collapsing. Any one of right. them, if it falls the right way, you can go and work your way in. And the fact that these teams are going to be playing each other goes and means they're going to be losing games. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody can go off. You know, you can't have three teams go off on an 18 and two run because they're going to be beating each other. Exactly. You know, there's going to be losses built into the schedule. Exactly. So. Like I said, you control your own destiny. It starts this weekend with Tampa. Mm -hmm. You have a huge three-game series. And even though mathematically, I mentioned this to you earlier today, uh, Boston, I think, is in first place by a game because they've won more games than Tampa has. But Tampa actually has two ahead of them in the loss column. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it's 54 to 52 losses, and that's really the what you use as a measure to see how far ahead you are. Right. So Tampa is the team the Yankees are really shooting for if they're trying to win this division. And you, you can go make a big dent right now. Like, you're going down to their hometowns the last time you're playing in Tampa this season. And you can make a statement. If you take two out of three down there, that's that's huge. Mm -hmm. Huge, huge, huge. And Corona goes tonight. That's your ace. You see what you can do. I, I, I feel good about it. Obviously, Jeter coming back would be huge, especially with the Knicks who just went down. I think they're going to be in the market for a utility guy yeah. um, between now and maybe the end of the month. But, uh, you know, they look pretty good. I worry about Sabathia. That's the one thing I would say. I was going to say, I think that the really like the season kind of hinges on him a little bit. Yeah. Because they've gotten some up-and-down pitching just throughout their rotation. Mm -hmm. Nova's been very good lately. Obviously, Kuroda has been fantastic. Hughes has been just garbage. Yeah. But, I mean, you need CC to be... 80% of what CC has been. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing that kind of worries you because he hasn't given you that. You know, if he can make a push, because even with Pettit, has been very up and down. Yeah. If you can get CC to step up in a big way, I think that goes a long way to straightening this out and really having them go on a run. And if he's not going to do that, then you're concerned because they still do have some catching up to do. Yeah. I think you look at it as, you know, what are you going to get out of these guys in their last starts of the season? So I think if you're looking at Kuroda, you hope to win 85% of the games he starts. I think if you look at Nova, you look to win about 75 games, 75% 75 of the games right. he starts through the rest of the way. Sabathia is a question because he's been 500. You know, yeah. you need better than that from him when you don't know what you're getting out of Hughes and you don't know what you're getting out of Pettit. Those guys are coin flips the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. So Sabathia needs to be better than 500 to balance out everything to make up the ground. And it's possible, but he's got to pitch better. And he's had flashes, too. You know, that's what gets me, is he'll get himself in trouble and then strike out the last two hitters to end the inning and look great. Right. And then going and hit, hit around the next inning and put up a crooked number when you're trying to, like, hold on to a lead. So mm -hmm. he, he's, I feel like he's almost there. And we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be an interesting last couple weeks. I'm going to ask you an interesting question. I'm going to try to have you separate, <clears throat> your, you know, your heart from your head on this one. All right. If you could put a percentage on their chances... Just blindly, you putting a percentage on their chances of making the playoffs. At any spot, whatever it is, 
What do you What do you think? Uh, well, the math says fifteen. I would say sixty. I think sixty. Sixty. Six zero. Yeah. All right. Um, I think they're a sixty percent shot with all the paths they have to the playoffs, with everybody being healthy. Obviously, look, one guy goes down and they're done. One losing right. streak and they're done. Right. I mean, they. I mean, it's one. They're at the point of the season where if they went into Tampa this weekend and got swept, they'd almost yeah. be done. Yeah. You know, it's like you cannot afford. Uh, you know, a, a you would three game, four yeah. game losing skid because then you, you exactly you'd lose a lot of that momentum that you just built that you yeah. just all that all that positive um, push in the standings that you just gave yourself over the last week and a half two weeks you'd lose all that with a yeah. four game losing streak. So I think trying to be objective and, and it's it's always going to be tied to my heart a little bit when oh, yeah. you ask me something like this, but. I think trying to be objective, the Yankees are healthier than they've been all season. Mm-hmm. They're a veteran team, like you said, and they have the schedule that gives them the opportunity to do it. I, I think it's not unreasonable. I, I, I would not be surprised if they didn't make it because other teams just played better than them, but they're now within striking distance. They're yeah. a good week away from leading the wild card. You know, you're three and a half games out of the wild card. You're, you have a good week, and the teams that around you have an average week. You can be, find yourself in that position by September first, right? And you know you want to be within ten games. You know at this point, you're, you're you're well within that right now. So they have a shot, and I'll tell you what, I don't. I'm not enamored with Boston. You know I think Tampa is the bigger threat in the division than Boston would be. I can agree with that. Yeah, I can agree with that, especially with the emergence of Will Myers and some of the. You know they have like a, some legit pieces on offense now. You know to, uh, around Longoria. That's what they got hurt. Pitching last year. is the pitching is the pitching, and they have it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, listen, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's a cop-out. I, I would I would put the Yankees' chance. I, I could agree with you at 60%. Yeah. I was going to say 50-50, but that is kind of a cop-out. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'll go with you at 60% because I do, I trust them more than I trust some of the other teams that we mentioned earlier. And it's, yeah. it's just based on nothing. It's just a personal feel, just seeing the Yankees as often as I do for as often as I have, yeah. you know, over the past... The, 15 years, so I... And again, from a baseball perspective, in New York, it's going to be fun to have something to watch for the last month. You know, I was I was really, especially when I was over over in Ireland, the Yankees were like a game or two over 500, 10, 11 games back. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to get back. It's going to be nothing to watch. I'm going to watch, like, horrible training camp with the Jets. And, like, <laughs> you know, hockey doesn't start. The Rangers don't have any home games for the first month of the season because of the Garden. And, like, it's going to be awful. At least I have something to hope for. You know, I can pay attention to the standings, scoreboard watch a little bit. Like, that, that'll be fun. You know, yeah. that'll be something to pay attention to. So, uh, with that... Across town, I guess we have some things to watch. Uh, yeah. You know, the Mets fans. Um, not quite the same thing, you know. I mean, it's obviously, a different picture, right? It, we're, we're looking we're, big picture. We're looking with the Mets. big picture. We're looking yeah. down the road, and I know it's the same old rhetoric with the Mets next year. Or, oh, wait till next year. But you know what? For the first time in a long time, if you're a Mets fan, you should have no problem and a little bit of pride in saying that because there are some legitimate pieces here that are in place that are going to make it fun to watch for the last five, six weeks of the season. Yeah. You know, obviously they're not making the playoffs. But finishing the year as poorly as they have the last two, three years, they've already played better. And if they can continue to play better, you know, there's a realistic push that they can get up around 79, 80, and who knows, 81 games. Yeah. You know, if you can win that amount and finish at 500 or just a eh, tick below, I'd say, even you take they, that. Even if they could catch uh, second place. I think that would be big, and that's on the table for them. It is very much on the table. Yeah. I don't know exactly what the number is. I think uh, it was they were four. The I last was going to say I the last time I checked was a couple of days ago. They're about three and a half, four games behind yeah. Washington, yeah. who is greatly underachieved. Yeah. I, you know, they'll probably win that division next year because yeah. they're they, they, they're a powerhouse. But um, yeah, I mean that's that's very that's very well within their reach, and I, I think that that would say something. Yeah, you know, and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, moral victories at this point. You should be happy with a moral victory yeah. as a Met fan because it's been so bad for so much time. So you really you look for that, and you have Harvey, and uh, you know the Mets are doing the right thing with him and not explicitly just shutting him down. They're going to let him pitch through the end of the season, giving him some breaks here and there. You know, leave after five with a lead and eighty-five pitches, that kind of thing. And they have the same program for Wheeler, who has gotten better and better. Since he's been up, he's not quite as polished as Harvey, but he looks like he's the real deal. Um, Darno, who we talked about at, at length all summer long, is yeah. finally up here. Um, you know, and he, eh, it's, jury's out. I mean, he's had like 15 at bats. He's had like eight, eight or 
10 walks, which is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> you know, no, he's shown a great eye at the plate. I think he's only got one hit so far. But, yeah. you know, the teams are pitching carefully, and he's not swinging out of the zone. He's not expanding the zone. He's not taking, uh, you know, he didn't take the, the frustration of not getting his first hit uh, with him to, uh, you know, onto the field playing defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a little shaky in his first outing, but it's, it's jitters. Yeah, you know, it's, it's any it's, major league. And so they, they have legitimate pieces that we're looking forward to this year into next year and into the next five plus years. You know, yeah. you got David Wright, who's going to be there anchoring everything down. And like I said, Harvey Wheeler, uh, Darno, hopefully. And then you look at, you know, they have two, three guys on the farm that you're going to see next year as, as, as major pitching prospects. Henry Mejia came back this year and uh, showed you a lot of things. He showed you a lot more command, and with his stuff, that's scary because mm-hmm. his problem was command. His stuff was electric, yeah. and now he seemed to put them both together. Um, had a little bone spur problem in his yeah. pitching elbow, so he's done till spring training, but it's orthoscopic. It's a little cleanup. He'll yeah. be ready. And then it, it, it's funny to see because they have so many of these guys, and the excitement is twofold because... You look at all these pitching prospects that they have in particular, and it's like they're either going to be here as some crazy good staff, mm-hmm. or we're going to trade off some of them for something of great value, either in the outfield or at first base or at shortstop where some of these holes have opened up. Mm-hmm. And you got to be excited either way. Yeah. it's Another great thing for the Mets right now is that they have proven that their prospects are good. You know, mm-hmm. by having guys, and I, you know, I mentioned this to you the other day, uh, having guys like Harvey and Wheeler come into the major leagues as pitching prospects and show their stuff and be even better than maybe some people thought, that goes and says a lot about the other prospects you have. So if you look at a guy like Syndergaard, you have a guy like Mejia, you have these other pitchers that like other teams are going to covet. They're going to value that because you're going to think, oh, geez, I might be able to get another Matt Harvey out of this trade right. and be more willing to trade a Stanton or a Cargo or something like that mm-hmm. to the Mets in, in exchange. And if you're the Mets, you're, you're pitching rich. You're... you're you're walking in, and yeah. you're just on this uptick out of this valley. Right. You're really starting to climb, and you're setting yourselves up potentially for a pretty good run. Like, yeah. I, I, and I said to you the other day, I think this is like a, a early 90s Braves kind of thing. This mm-hmm. could be a late 90s Yankees kind of thing with you guys. Yeah. If you go and just fill the other holes, and that's that's the easy part. Right. You can find veterans who can go yeah. and get on base and drive in a couple of runs. Getting this young pitching like this, getting these cornerstone players is not easy, and that's what they've done. Yeah, that's exactly it. They have the best kind of currency that you could have. Yeah. You know, having young players, having young prospects that you can potentially trade is always big. But when they're pitching prospects, and like you said, when you've now developed a reputation for having an eye for pitching prospects, it just, I mean, the sky's the limit, which you can do with those guys. And they're so fortunate because even with their quote-unquote untouchable pieces, they still have so many other pieces that they can move. I mean, you're looking at a realistic scenario where they can hold on to Harvey, Wheeler, and Syndergaard, which are the three best either prospects or, you know, guys currently, and still be able to move Dylan G, who's had a phenomenal bounce back year after a rough start, you know, with the the, the shoulder surgery that he had last year and everything like that. Um, John Neese, who's back now and healthy and is a lefty and is on a, a very reasonable contract. And then you've got Montero. And Mejia, and a guy, um, uh, I believe Michael Fulmer and uh, Jacob deGrom, these guys who are very highly touted in double A or above, that you could move that teams will line up for. Yeah. Now, I don't know who and what machinations of a trade gets you a, a Stanton or a Cargo or somebody of that elk, but I think that they have enough to go and get a guy of that caliber and not mortgage their own pitching staff, which yeah. is a phenomenal place to be in. Yeah. Because realistically, I think the Mets need another player like that. They need yeah. another superstar to pair with Wright. And I think that the, the hope internally in the organization and for the fans is that Darno can be part, of, know, that. part yeah. of that. But we don't know yet, and they're going to yeah. need a proven commodity. Yeah. So, uh, listen, you know that my pipe dream is Stanton, mm-hmm. but uh, there, there's a few things, and I think we mentioned it, you know, in the last one before before we broke, uh, you know, for the, the extended vacation we took, but, you know, a guy like Matt Kemp, who's making a lot of money, who now with the emergence of 
Puig and the fact that they have Crawford and they have Ethier, who they'll never be able to move because he's not mm -hmm. good and he also makes a ton of money. Yeah. You know, maybe he becomes available. Maybe a, a, a Troy Tulowitzki becomes available because of some of his injury problems and, you know, Cargo's been healthier. Maybe he's the guy they decide to move. Mm -hmm. You know, so you look at something like that and they might be pipe dreams. You don't know who's going to become available. But those that's the kind of player that they have to look for. And I think that's yeah. the kind of player that they are looking for. And those kinds of players can get moved. You know, Miguel Cabrera was not drafted by the Tigers. He came up with the Marlins right. and was traded for a haul of you know, a thought at the time, and it's worked out for the Tigers. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. Because they traded Cameron Maben and Andrew Miller and Yeah. Alex Rodriguez was traded. Like guys get traded right. in their primes and you have the assets now to make a move. You exactly. know, and you're dealing in dollars when other teams may be offering pesos. You know, like that's exactly. that's really where you are. Right exactly, now. and it's because of the pitching. Yeah. And uh, you know, just in real quick, in the near term for the Mets, they have a big series coming up with Detroit this weekend. Yep. Um they just signed Dice K. Matsuzaka, which hilarious. yes, that Dice K. Absolutely um, hilarious. They signed him yesterday. He's starting tonight, <laughs> which is ridiculous that when means you think you're about in it. Shape, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, with uh, the injury to Mejia, mm -hmm. and prior to that, the injury with uh, Jeremy Hefner, who's actually going to need Tommy John surgery, right. which kind of sucks for him because yeah. he could have been a piece that either they could have moved after a very positive year this year or uh, could have been their, their swing man in the bullpen next right. year. So that's a little unfortunate. But with those two injuries and um, some innings limits and 40-man uh, uh, roster issues with yeah. their uh, guys who are in the minors, they needed somebody that they could bring in that can start for the next five, six weeks. Yeah. You know, anybody that they brought up, a DeGrom, a Montero, probably could have only given them like 10 to 12 innings max. Total, yeah. And that's, you know what, why bring them up? Why, yeah. why do that if they're not going to be able to finish out the year? Um, so, listen... Who knows what Dice K is? He's better than Carlos Torres, who's a bona fide reliever. You don't yeah. want him starting for the rest of the season. Um, and it shows a positive progression in thinking for the Mets that they haven't punted this year. Yeah. You know, they're not going to make yeah, the playoffs. Point. They didn't have to sign Dice K. They gave Dice K a major league contract for the yeah. rest of the year. And I don't know what the dollar amount is, and it's got to be minimal because it's six weeks left. Right. But, you know, they didn't have to go and do that. But they want to finish on a positive note. They want to finish strong. Yeah. They want to see if they can catch lightning in a bottle with this guy and, and see what comes of it. Right. And that you have to applaud them. Um, obviously, tomorrow is a marquee matchup. You get to see Matt Harvey face the uh, vaunted uh, Tigers lineup with Miguel Cabrera and Prince Fielder and see how he kind of navigates through that. And he's going up against Scherzer, yeah. which will be great. That'll um, be interesting. That should be a good matchup. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's what we're looking at, though. We're looking at continued development from Harvey, continued development from Wheeler, see what you got in Darno. Um, hopefully David Wright, who went on the DL when we were away uh, mm -hmm. with a hamstring pull, he plans on being back, and he's a gritty, determined SOB. Yeah. And I think he will be back. Sure. Um, and so that's what you look for, just getting these guys healthy, getting everybody through the season. And, you know, Met fans, we're looking at... The winter meeting. It's the off season, and that's you know, what we're looking at. We, we've we've said, I think, since we started doing this podcast before the season started, that that 2013 was about 2014. Right. You know, that's what you've been doing, and you're you're finding things out, and you're finding out a lot of things that you maybe didn't even think you'd get. Right. You know, so and with the good, there's some bad. Yeah. I mean, listen, Ike Davis has been good, but he got sent down to the minors. You yeah. Know, he's been good since he's been back, I should right. say. Uh, but he got sent down, so he's now a question mark. You were counting on him. A lot of people counted on Ruben Tejada after the year that he had last year. He got sent down. He's still not even back, and he's not even hitting in the PCL, which is, like, impossible. I'm pretty sure that I can hit at least 250 in Vegas. Yeah. So, um, you know, so those are question marks. However, they went into the season with what a lot of people called the worst outfield ever. Yeah. And they have a guy now... A Juan Lagares that reminds me of Andrew Jones, Carlos Beltran in his prime, that can go pick it out there. Yeah. He's leading the league in outfield assists, and he's only played in like 78 or 82 games, something in that yeah. range. So, you know, and his bat looks better than when he first came up, so you mm -hmm. see the learning curve, you see the development in that. Um, they went and got Eric Young Jr. Mm -hmm. from Colorado. Now, who knows what he's going to be? He could be a fourth outfielder for them next year. He could be their leadoff hitter if they decide to allocate money in a different way. Right. He's been their leadoff hitter since they got him. He's played every day. He's been a spark plug. He's a switch hitter. He steals bases. You know, so you got those two guys that have emerged, but you have two more question marks now on the infield. 
Yeah. Plus, um, we didn't even talk about Wilmer Flores, right. who's come up. He was leading the PCL in um, RBIs when they called him up. He's kind of a man without a position, so that's very intriguing because he seems like he can really hit. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look at it, and we're going to see. And like you said, and we said all the way back at the beginning, 2013 is about 2014, and just... Buckle up and you know yeah. try to deal with it. Yeah, and we'll it's have a chance. We trust. <laughs> we'll get to see you know as the season ends, as as everything wraps up, we'll see what guys come on the market, what guys are free agents, who's on the trading block, and that's where you get to really see where these assets get allocated. So you know it should be fun. I think the Mets are are in a good place right now. I think they're mm -hmm. working towards that that now next level push where twenty fourteen is going to be a really exciting year for them. Yeah, and it's going to be an interesting off season for both teams to jump back in with the Yankees because. You know, depending on how this year finishes out for them, they have a lot of questions with Cano, which we've talked about a bunch, and that 189 threshold. Yeah. Now, like, does that go out the window if they miss the playoffs because they're the Yankees? Like, these are yeah. all going to be developing storylines going forward, and I really it's don't want to think very... about it. It's, it's <laughs> like it's such. There's so many bad things that can happen. I just don't want to think about it. I want to distract myself with this last little Listen, little run here. You guys have made the year. playoffs like every year for the past 18 years except one. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Trust me when I tell. It's okay to I not make deal the playoffs. With yeah, no, but like, <laughs> and look at that too, right? So uh, the Yankees, you know, potentially can miss the playoffs. The Jets are going to be terrible, you know. The like, Jets are going to be really bad. The Rangers, I think, will be pretty good, you know. I don't know, and the Knicks, I think, are taking a step back. So, uh, you know, I don't. Especially with what the Nets did. Yeah. You gotta look at that. Yeah. Um, Listen, there'll, there'll be time for that, you know. There'll, with, be, time with, for that, there'll, there'll be time for all that. But you want to talk about Gino? Yeah, let's get into this a little bit too. Uh, this has been the other big story in New York, and. Obviously, I think overblown too much with the whole Geno Smith, Mark Sanchez thing. Uh, the the quick little summary is that uh, the Jets have played two preseason games so far. Sanchez started the first one. He then started the second one, really, because Smith got hurt. It was really by default. I think yeah. that uh, they would have given Geno the start. Yeah. Much like, well, he's been the name the starter against the Giants. Right. And I think that's why he didn't get yeah. the opportunity yet. Yeah. So now you're looking at Smith getting a chance, maybe to reclaim the, the you know, or at least put a claim into the job. But Sanchez, from all accounts, has been the better quarterback, the more polished quarterback through camp. Mm -hmm. And Smith is getting a shot, and he's had ups and downs. I think he's had some some really good uh, practices with the team. He was, you know, like 14 for 15, I think, passing the other day with a couple touchdowns, and then yep. had one where he was like one for six with two picks and a fumble. Yeah, that's the one that Rex called brutal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they're the extremes there, and it's, it's turned into a big circus. Honestly, I don't know what your, your take is on it, but my take is that this is really unnecessary. There is nothing wrong with having a rookie quarterback not start the season. I, yeah, I can agree with that. The analogy that, that uh, somebody was mentioning the other day was uh, Eli Manning did not start the season as a rookie, they had Kurt Warner, they let him start a couple of games, then Eli Manning came in and kind of took over and, and ran with the job from there because yeah. they knew he was the guy. There are a lot of things about learning the ropes in the NFL that Geno Smith has not done yet. And yeah. Mark Sanchez, just let him go play. Like You're, you're going to lose your locker room if you start exposing a kid. Yeah. And if Sanchez is clearly the guy who's played better in camp, as, as average as he is, and I think yeah. he's that, he's average. He's not going to make your team any better than what their ceiling is, and if you put him in a bad situation, he's going to look really bad. But... Give him a shot. I think, you know, you have some receivers this year. You have a good offensive coordinator. Kellen Winslow's look good. Like, and there's a running game. Let's see what he can do, you know? He, he's not, you know, he's he not committed to him more than this season. You know, that's kind of my take on yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think that had David Garrard yeah. been healthy, yeah. I think the plan would have been let Geno compete with Garrard. Yeah. And he would have had a I guess a little easier time winning the job, mm -hmm. you know, against Gerard, who's yeah. uh, over the hill and was coming off injuries and stuff like that. Right. But had Gerard performed better, it would have been very obvious to everyone that David Gerard was the placeholder. So he mm -hmm. starts the first few weeks and then Gino takes over, much like the Eli Manning comparison that you just made. With Sanchez, the only difference is is that I think most people. Jet fans and whatever else are kind of sick of seeing Sanchez. Yeah. So they just want any change for the sake of change. And I'm not saying that that's the healthy or the right thing to do, but I think that that's somewhat the voice in the organization as well. Like, I think Idzik wants his guy. Yeah. I don't think Idzik cares if Sanchez plays or not. Like, yeah. I, I don't think he... I, he's not tied to him the way Rex is. He's mm -hmm. not, you know... I, so I think he wants... The best guy that gives him the best chance to win, but he would hope that it's his guy yeah. kind of thing. But you made a good point about losing the locker room mm -hmm. by starting a rookie because what we were just talking about with baseball, uh, specifically with the Mets, about 13 being about 14, that's never the case in football. Like, teams rebuild, obviously. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, it, it's so different. The dynamic is so different where, you know, you can have a team that goes worst to first and it was completely unexpected. Yeah. Um, I don't expect that for the Jets this year. I don't think that's going to happen. But the ball players who have such a shorter shelf life than baseball players do have to think that way. Yeah. So if, you know, you run a rookie out there and they get blown out the first three games because he's not ready, they're going to say, well, you put us behind the eight ball. Like, yeah. why not send the guy out who's, you know, in his fifth year now yeah. that's won four playoff games on the road. Some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time haven't won four playoff games on the road. Well, just run this guy out there and let's see what's up. Yeah. I think that's the easier answer, and I think it's Idzik, because he wants it to be his guy, is stretching this out too far. Just keep it simple. Sanchez has won the competition. You can even say it's by default because, you know, Smith got hurt and fell behind in the playbook and you want to give him a chance to catch up. That takes the pressure off Smith for not winning the job. Just go and call it and say, Sanchez, you're starting quarterback. Let him play week one. If he goes and gets blown up and throws seven picks to Darrell Revis and you're like, all right, you know what? Forget it. Sanchez is done. We're going to cut him and we're going to let Smith play. Then you go do that. And that's fine. You, you've given, you know, you've given Sanchez a chance under this new regime. Mm -hmm. And you've given Rex the chance to go and put who he thinks, clearly I think thinks, is the better player on the field right now. Right. I think he likes Gino. I think he might, you know, be in on Gino. But he's, he's not there yet. It, it, I think if he were as polished and ready to play, he wouldn't have fallen to the second round. And every scout knows that. He fell to the Jets because he's not quite ready as a quarterback right. yet. And the there physical are tools are there. I yeah. mean, he's, he's a better athlete sure. than Sanchez. He's yeah. better. He's a bigger arm. You know, mm -hmm. he's, he obviously has better mobility. He's a better athlete. He's yeah. a, he, pro he has a higher ceiling than Sanchez. But right now, probably also has a lower ceiling than Sanchez yeah. because of the unknown quantity. Yeah. The un say a lower floor. Uh, lower floor, right. Yeah. Excuse me, yes. Um, you know, because of the, the unknown that's in there, because of the inexperience that's mm -hmm. in there. You know, listen, you know Sanchez is the guy that threw 53 picks in the last two years. That's yeah. not good. Yeah. But you also know him to be the guy with the four playoff wins on the road. Yeah. So, Who was successful in a good situation. Exactly. You know, if you put a piece around him, and, you know, there's a... The, the worst thing the Jets had last year was Tony Sperano. As much as you want to say anything else, with all the guys that left, Tony Sperano and whatever, T-Bone and all that, but Sperano was the biggest factor, mm -hmm. the Jets' offense being as bad as it was, because he was completely overmatched yeah. as, a, as a coach on the offensive it, side of the was, ball. It was, and it was boring and just completely yeah. mundane, no Not creativity. creative, exactly. Yeah. So you're now doing the exact opposite. Morning Way is a guy who has had success as an NFL you know, offensive coach mm -hmm. and, and head coach in the league. So give him a chance. Let Sanchez see what he can do with a guy who knows what he's talking about. Because say what you want about Brian Schottenheimer. He, was, he overthought it and he, he made some mistakes. But he at least knew his way around the offense. He could go and call plays and, and try to make it happen. That's sure. And Rex was, needs that, the way yeah, that he coaches exactly, the team. Exactly. He needs a, an offensive coordinator that can really call plays. Yeah. Because you know Rex isn't touching that. And that's fine. And let Rex call the defense and, and see where the chips fall. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the Jets are, are in a similar place to the Mets, but they don't have the most important thing. The Mets have the most important thing, which is pitching. Right. The Jets don't have the most important thing as a quarterback, but they have a lot of other pieces that the are going to be, be good. Really good. Yeah, that defense, I think, is going to be really good in the next year. I think this is the learning year mm -hmm. where if you if, if Idzik does what I think he should and, and keep Rex Ryan, regardless of what the season is, keep Ryan, let him keep these pieces, and teach them his defense. Yeah. And then see where that goes next year when these guys are a little bit more seasoned and have maybe something to play for mm -hmm. with maybe Geno Smith as a good starting quarterback or a veteran quarterback who goes on the market and you're like, you know what, we're going to get rid of Sanchez, we're going to give Smith another year, but we're also going to bring in this guy who looks available and you know maybe he can go and win the job too. Right. Because Smith maybe isn't quite as good as we thought. Or you draft somebody, you draft Bridgewater or whoever, but you're now setting yourselves up a little bit better. Mm -hmm. The whole, like, and I think you were saying, Frances was saying about how the Jets sort of mismanaged this by flying in the face of what teams normally do. Yeah. You know, by, like, keep getting a GM and keeping the coach and then keeping the staff and all that. But if you're going to do it this way, then just extend Ryan. Like, keep Ryan here and let him do yeah, his Yeah, I agree with that. And, what, you know, what he had said on the radio was, you know, most teams, when they clean house, they clean house. And yeah. sometimes it's best, the best move you make is the one that you don't make kind mm -hmm. of thing. Where, you know, they had such a bad year, but... Somebody had to take the fall for it and wound up being Tenenbaum. Right. But Tenenbaum's guy, Ryan, gets to stay. So a new GM comes on, but a part and parcel of taking the job is you got to keep Ryan. Mm -hmm. So, but a couple of Ryan's coordinators leave, things like that. So he brings in two people for his staff. Mm -hmm. So now you have a new GM with an old coach, but the coach got to pick his guys mm -hmm. for his staff. So now if they fire Ryan after a bad year this year, they have bring in a new coach. 
but they have coordinators under contract. Mm -hmm. So do they keep one or both or whatever of the coordinators? And then if they are bad again, they cut bait with those guys. And then what happens? Then the coach finally gets to bring in his guys as coordinators and coaches under him. And it took you three years to get GM picking the coach he wanted, picking the coordinators and the, the lower level yeah. coaches that he wanted when you could have had that all in year one. Yeah. So that's what he said in a nutshell, which is the way most teams do it. Yeah. But I agree with you that Ryan, I think Ryan still has a lot of potential. And I think that if you kept him this year, you have to keep him no matter what. Right. Because I don't think, and I think you'll agree, that the Jets are going to be very good. Their schedule's pretty tough. Mm -hmm. Their defense looks okay. Their offense looks better. But it's not hard to be better than they were last year because they were abysmal. Yeah. So, you know... There's gonna be They're growing not going to be good. There's, There's going to be growing pains on pains. both sides of the ball. You're, you're adjusting to life after Revis. You're bringing in a lot of young players into new positions. You don't have any veteran safeties. You know, really, like Landry, okay, but he's not a good safety. So He's not his brother, that's for yeah. sure. So you're now, you're teaching guys. That's, and when teaching is going to come mistakes, and you're going to have things that happen. And, you know, Cromartie, I like Cromartie, but he's not, you know, he's not Revis. Right. So you're going to have... You're gonna have problems, and yeah. that's that's part of coaching and getting these guys better. But that shouldn't be Ryan's fault that they're not the guys they were three years ago. You know, these are <laughs> this is the same roster, and right. he was successful when he had a good roster. Exactly, and I think he can be successful with a good roster again. Yeah. And if this one is built correctly, where the other one was kind of a little bit of patchwork. You know, yeah. Tenenbaum did put them in a bad cap situation. Yeah, and things kind of turned sour real quick with older guys and big contracts and stuff like that. So if they build this roster correctly, it can be built for a sustainable success. And I think Ryan is probably the best guy right now yeah. for everything we just talked about to, to, to be leading the charge. I will ask you two questions before we go. One, in light of everything we just talked about, what do you think Geno Smith's odds are getting the starting job week one? Uh, I would say 45% to, to start week one against the Bucks. I think Sanchez has the edge, and I think... If I had to bet, I think it's going to play out that way okay. um, for all the reasons. And you actually made a really good one the other uh, earlier today. Um, the worst-case scenario for the Jets would be Geno Smith starting, being completely overmatched, and then having to go back to Sanchez. And then, like, now you're really, right. really putting yourself behind the eight ball. Yeah. If Sanchez starts and is successful, then the team can be successful. Maybe they have a good run and they win 10 games. Right. If Sanchez starts and is bad, then like, all right, well, let's go to the kid now. Let him develop. And now we're getting some progress out of this season. Right. If Smith starts and is bad and you have to go back, that's the worst. That, that's, that's the worst Worst case thing. scenario. Absolutely. So I, I feel like we're not the only ones to think of that. I think, you know, whatever. Well, the guys making millions of dollars to make those decisions yeah. better know about that. <laughs> I, I think the powers that be can figure that out. That's why I would give the edge to Sanchez on like a... Who's a better quarterback? Smith is probably more reliable. I think he's not going to turn the ball over as much as Sanchez because nobody does. Nobody fumbles and, yeah. and throws more interceptions than this guy. Yeah. So I think he's going to be more reliable. But he, the the growing pains, the knowing the offense, that like I, I think Sanchez will be the guy, and I think he'll be the guy for less than half the season. I think he'll he'll lose the job before the mid midpoint. I could agree with that. I would say that Sanchez has the edge on him to yeah. start at least 60-40, if not more. Now, that could change tomorrow night. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, it's, that's I, I what's going to yeah, decide. Really. I don't have, I, you know, and I don't know how much stake you can put in one game, but the third playoff game is... Preseason. Uh, preseason game, yeah. rather, excuse me. The third preseason game is the one where, you know, the starters play the longest. Yes. They play into the third quarter, that kind of thing. So if you're going to have Geno out there, against the Giants, who are good defense, and against their first-team defense, and if he plays well and is successful, I think that gives him a lot of positives yeah. going forward. And if he outright wins the job, yeah. then I don't have a problem so much. Sure. But so far, and again, some of it might be by default because of the injury, he hasn't done enough to win the job. Yeah. Do I think he will be ultimately better than Sanchez? I think so. Yeah. Do I think he's better right now? I haven't seen enough. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know. think anyone. I really has. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So he has to go out there. We're going to see tomorrow against the Giants. It's going to be the only preseason football game I really watch because yeah. otherwise they're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, and we'll see. We'll see where it goes after tomorrow. So we'll have a lot more to talk about with that. Yeah. The last thing I want to give you is, and I know it's early for this, but over under on Jets wins this year. Um, the uh, Vegas number is six and a half. If Alright, so the number six and a half, I think... And I know this is early, because yeah. we don't know who the quarterback is, and we don't. You know, things change in the NFL real quick. <laughs> I feel like I'll have a better answer next week. If I had like guns in my head right now, I would have to say... Well, you do. 
Yeah. All right. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They do. Jesus. Um, uh, under. Under. I, mean, I would say under. Yeah. I think yeah. That, that makes sense. I, I think the defense is going to have more problems than people realize with the first year with a lot of these young kids. I think it's a lot of talent, but I don't think they're quite as polished as they're going to need to be to be right. as dominant as they've been. Plus cohesive unit kind yeah. of deal. I think that's going to be a problem, and I think that is why they're not going to be in as many close games as they were last year. Right. I can agree with that. I would, If I had a pick right now, too, I would also say the under. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think either way, everything that we just talked about, about the mm-hmm. quarterback battle, you know, uh, I, I, I don't think that they have enough mm-hmm. to win games. Yeah. I really don't. You know, I don't think that, uh, you know, if Gino is the one at the helm, I think there's going to be growing pains. Yeah. Whether he takes over halfway or at the beginning, there's going to be growing pains, and I don't think that Sanchez is that good. So if he's the one that starts, I don't think they're going to get off to a great start either. To make the argument for the over, and this is something that I mentioned before, if you look at the Jets as a whole this year, with Morningway as the offensive coordinator, they go into this season with pretty much the same core essentially a couple of changes and additions on defense, but the same real group that was here last year, and they won six games already. So it's the number six and a half. I think just innately they're going to be a little bit better offensively That's with Morningway. That might win them some games. Now, I think the defensive regression is what's going to bring them back, but the argument for over would be it's these guys are improving. You know, maybe Stephen Hill steps up. Maybe Gates. I've heard some some good things about Gates. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Braylon. I mean, you have Braylon Curley, uh, Hill, and Holmes, potentially. Like, that's way better receiving than you had last year. Right. Um, Kellen Winslow could be... He, he said he wants to be a 100-catch guy. That's he, he could be. He has the skills. He has, the you know, the yeah. body for it. And if he's, like, angry enough to do it, I, I, I wouldn't doubt the guy. So there's the That's potential there offensively. And the defense wasn't great last year either. So yeah. even if their defense is not quite ready to be as good as it can be, yeah. you know, you got to remember last year they played most of the season without Revis. Mm-hmm. And yes, Cromartie stepped up and you had a big year out of Landry, but like their defense was not great. Not great. Yeah. They were on the field a lot, and yeah. I think they're going to be on the field a lot this year too. But it's not like they're coming off of you know having an 85 Bears defense to yeah. now. I think the other thing, too, is the running game will be better. I like Bilal Powell a lot. I think he's going to mm-hmm. show a lot this year. Chris um, Ivory has looked good, looked good last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the Saints, I know he's been a little banged up, hasn't got a ton of playing time yeah. in the preseason, but I think the tandem of he and Powell will be better than what they yeah. had last year immeasurably. Yeah. So I think with all that aside, if you consider, all right, the one six last year, I think you could you could make an argument for seven or eight if, you know, and if things break right, maybe nine and close to a while. Like, it, it's possible. It's not, you know. It's, it's, yeah, not, it's fair. I think they're going to win, like, three. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, as a Jet fan, I'm expecting two and 14, and, like, the third overall pick, the first two guys to be Hall of Famers, the third guy to blow out his name in the second season. <laughs> that's it. That's where we have to end it, because that's how it goes. I have one more. Oh, okay. The ev- Everything exploded last night when it broke that Ben Affleck was going to play Batman in the new Batman movie, <laughs> right? This is this is the worst news ever. So I want to ask you, who is the worst possible actor you could think of to play Batman? The worst possible actor I could think of, period. Nicolas Cage would be the worst. <laughs> Nicolas Cage would be the worst one. Um... Without having like given it any thought, like that is that's that's the one. Because like, yeah. he, I would not want to see Nicolas Cage in any film ever again. Yeah. So that would be the one. Maybe then like Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Would would be a bad one. I would say Tyler Perry. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tyler Perry is Batman. Would but here's be. the thing though: is Tyler Perry a better actor than the two guys that I mentioned? He probably is because he plays a convincing woman. He's got more gender range. Yeah. Than. Uh, Tyler Perry as Batgirl. As Batgirl. Tyler Perry as Medea as Batgirl. We have to that... stop because we're going to start giving them ideas. You know, <laughs> if this Batman-Superman thing doesn't work out, we're going to see it. We're going to have like the, the Tyler Perry is like all of the DC universe. And he'll play Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I was wrong before, but that's it. Clearly, yeah. we've gone off the deep end. We've that's gone fine. Don't worry. way long. Don't worry we, haven't, Enjoy. we haven't been here. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy it. We had a lot of fun today. So... Uh, Continue listening, continue having a lot of fun with us, and uh, we will be back next week, I promise. Yes. <laughs> There's no more extended yes. vacations for us. Summer's almost over, so we're in it for the long haul, and uh, take it easy. We'll see you guys next week. Go Yankees. Ah. New York's Wednesday is brought to you by Accents. Accents, make you seem interesting and attractive to locals when you travel internationally just by talking.